Welcome to another episode of the DreamInCode.net podcast, where we interview industry experts, developers, and geeks about the latest programming trends and Dreaming Code happenings. Here's your host, Ben Delamarski. All right, this is episode three of the Dreaming Code podcast, and today I'm talking to Danny Bettison. Did I did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. So extra point spell it. Yeah. Well, is it, <laughs> is it like? Uh, oh, all right, never mind. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, when did you join Dreaming Code? Uh, beginning of 2008, I think. Been a long time. Uh, I actually joined to ask a very basic question on vectors in C++. <laughs> oh, wow. So, why why did you choose Dreaming Code from all the communities out there? So, at that time, there's like, there's the MSDN forums and all this kind of stuff that was around. So, why Dreaming Code? Uh, well, actually, it was just because it said dick. <laughs> 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 wow. That that's eye opening actually for me. So that's the primary reason you joined it. Well, well, I like people to have a sense of humor. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that makes sense to me. So, <laughs> what is your uh, programming platform of choice and language operating system? Uh, generally, C plus plus, and I go for cross platform whenever possible. So a lot of WX widgets in there. So, uh, play with, go on. Yeah. So why why C plus plus? I mean, I, I actually, yeah, I know you have some experience with C sharp and all that. So yeah, uh, C plus plus was actually my first language, and it's kind of the thing where first language, and it just you kind of stick with it, don't you? Uh, the reason I started C plus plus was I was in school, and my friend just came up to me and said, "Learn C plus plus," and I said, "Okay." <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, speaking of specializations, uh, are you specializing in something like uh, some kind of applications or like uh, web applications, desktop applications, mobile applications? Like, we got a couple of tutorials on Android from you on Ruby code. So, is there like something you specialize in? Not really, no. I prefer to kind of play with a little bit of everything every now and then. So, uh, yeah, why why this way? Like, why not specialize in something? I just like to keep my options open. I mean, I like to make stuff for everyone. And developing for all the different platforms, it gives you more uh, options on what you can actually do. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, you work, right? You already got yeah. a job. Yeah. So uh, where do you work and what is your uh, position? Uh, I work at a small company called Amnet Limited. There's only a few of us there, so we kind of have a good laugh. But I don't really specialize there either. I mean, I do software and web. Uh, I even dabble in networks every now and then, but I can't really enjoy oh. it too much. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, do, you, do you do a lot of, like, uh, programming on this job? Like, programming, I mean... Not just maybe like modifying something for a client, but just like developing something from ground zero. Yeah, uh, the last project I did was actually a website that searches through about 30 million records. Uh, it's 
quite a big website. It gets probably around a thousand hits a day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, what did you gain, ex like, experience before doing this job? Like, uh, probably didn't just like jump in on, hey, I'm just gonna work here. So, where? How did you learn? Did you like frequent any courses, or I don't know, or are you self-taught? Uh, purely learned in my bedroom. Actually, I didn't. <laughs> really get a formal education on it. I just kind of locked myself away and just taught myself. Oh, so, uh, so it worked, I mean, it worked pretty well for you. Some people say like, oh, hey, you just got to go to that course and that course and take that exam to like know something. So if, if you manage to do it like this, it's probably a working method. So, yeah, uh, I mean, qualifications, they're kind of, at the end of the day, they're just a piece of paper, aren't they? Uh, I mean, they are important if you want to get in, but if, in my in my opinion, the most important thing is just building up a portfolio. Yeah. Show that you've actually got motivation and you actually know what you're doing rather than you've just got a piece of paper that says, yep, you can do this. Oh. So, did Dreaming Code somehow influence you, like, experience-wise? I mean, did you learn something from there, or that's that was just a place where you just, like, hey, I'm just going to drop by and help some people out? Yeah, I actually did most of my learning on Dreaming Code to start with. I mean, a lot of the things that I was doing in the first place was just helping out with people's problems. I mean, I didn't actually have the experience. I was just kind of jumping in and then looking up their problems and just seeing what I could come up with. So, yeah, that was mostly in C++, right? Yeah, it was all C++ to start with. Uh, so, uh, speaking about... Like, you got a job, so speaking about uh, resumes today, a lot of uh, students are applying to jobs everywhere, to different, like, uh, IT companies and all that. So they are thinking about what what should they put on their resumes and all that kind of stuff. So uh, my question is, what is, what do you think, in your opinion, is the role of a strong resume in today's uh, IT job market? Uh, well... The whole point of it is to sell yourself, isn't it? I mean, you want to give a basic overview of what you want to do. Uh, just sell yourself on everything that you can actually do. Throw in as much experience as you can, especially if you're just starting out, and just go for it, really. I mean, send it off to everyone that you can. And as well as a, a CV, uh, like I said, a portfolio is very important when you're looking for a job. So, uh, did did you have a lot on uh, on your resume when you applied? Um, mine was about one and a half, two pages, I think. Uh, I actually had two CVs at the time. I had one that was kind of general, and then one that was more aimed for IT. Uh, the general one was well, obviously, with not being qualified, I wasn't expecting to get anything. So I was actually applying for other jobs as well, mm -hmm. but. The IT just kind of threw itself at me in the end. Uh, applying for a lot of jobs, I mean, I must have applied for about 60 or 70 to start with. And I only got, I think this was about the only one that I got an interview for, actually. Oh, alright. So, uh, what, uh, like, generally did you include in your resume? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe you worked on some applications, on some websites, graphics? Uh, I had that I was a moderator on Dreaming Code actually, and then I just listed a couple of the projects that I've worked on. Uh, what was it at the time? I think I was Snippet Manager, the original one, which is absolutely mm. terrible. Mm. And 
something else, but I don't remember what. Yeah, well, oh, it's just a bit more recorder. Yeah. Yeah, but those so are it's only basic projects, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, did you actually like send the projects, or you just like mentioned I worked on this and this and this? Uh, I mentioned them in there, and I just basically put a link in there, so if they wanted to see it, they could. Oh, so uh, the other thing. Oh yeah. The other thing that I would say was. Uh, worked quite well for me was my tutorials and snippets on Dream Code. I mean, in my in my first interview, I actually sat down with him and he actually read through most of my tutorials. Oh, so like they were asking you about like, hey, you wrote this, explain it, or yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm thinking about that. Now, uh, speaking about uh, language choices on Dream Code, we get a lot of questions like, what what language to choose or what framework should I use for this and that and uh, I know that actually the language choice doesn't matter too much but what's your opinion when you give advice on this kind of questions? Uh, generally I'll just say go for whatever you feel comfortable with. I mean certain languages will just appeal to, more, uh, to certain people. I mean at the end of the day, all the logic is pretty much the same, but you want to go for whatever makes the most sense to you to start with. Now, uh, do you think this is the correct, uh, the correct approach when uh, someone says, like, just uh, goes and uh, Googles for something, and it's like, okay, this, uh, this language is very popular. Like, I know there were some uh, websites where they, sh I, I, don't, I don't recall this moment, but there were some websites that showed, like, sort of the popularity of languages, like which one is first, which one is second. So do you think like people should kind of follow those kind of ratings or they should just go with uh, whatever is like good for them? Like, I know someone says assembler is good for them, but assembler is like nowhere close to the top of the list. Um, well, still, just go for whatever you're comfortable with. I mean, it's your first language, so you don't want to be intimidated by it at all. Uh, once you've become comfortable with your first language, then you can move on to the ones that are more popular if you don't feel comfortable with those to start with. Oh. So, uh, now about yourself, do you use like any, uh, let's call them uh, bleeding edge technologies, frameworks, like, uh, let me just say something like, I don't know, Silverlight, WPF, uh, frameworks like web frameworks like jQuery or something, or are you just sticking with the uh, older but tested and well-known languages, tools, whatever? Uh, Languages-wise, I'll try pretty much anything, but generally I'll kind of stick to C++ or PHP, depending on what I'm doing. Um, in work, it's a little bit different. My boss is a little bit stuck in his old ways, so we do use FoxPro, which is a little bit outdated now. Wow, like FoxPro <laughs> is like is like a couple of more than a couple of years outdated. Like, what do you use FoxPro for? And I mean, can they just replace it with something else, like something more up to date? It's the old projects mostly. Uh, I've actually convinced my boss to let me rewrite to .NET, but he won't let me do it until next year. So. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> I mean, I I didn't hear a lot of people using FoxPro lately, so <laughs> that's kind of interesting. So you'd be surprised, actually. There are quite a lot of companies around that still use FoxPro, mostly because they've got their old projects and they just don't have the time to rewrite. 
Yeah, well, locally, I also know some companies that are still using Pascal and are using, like, Northern Commander <laughs> in their, like, instead of Windows, they're, like, working in a DOS environment, and I'm just like, what? I mean, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you a uh, fast learner? Like, generally, uh, how fast you can learn a language framework if needed? So, like, I mean, there's, like, some new language and you will have like zero experience with it and you think like oh hey I want to just try this how long it takes for you to like dive in and understand the concept um only a couple of hours really I normally just kind of jump straight in and just use reference materials to build something straight up and just kind of get to grips with it and then I'll move on to actually try something that I wanted to do in it in the first place so doesn't take long at all, really. Well, talking about some like random language, like let's suppose there's like some imaginary language. How uh, generally, very general, how long would it take for you? Like a month, a two weeks, just to get like get get a grip to be able to create some applications on it. Uh, more like about two days. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, two days. Not bad at all. So, uh, do you do a lot of programming outside your job, like at home, some projects for yourself? Um, every now and then. I mean, I've got one or two websites, and I've got another one lined up that I hope will actually be quite big. And software-wise, the only big project that I've really got is the Snicker Manager. So, I mean, it your passion for it kind of dies after you get a job doing it from eight in the morning till five in the afternoon every day. But yeah. You know, if you come up with an idea, you go for it. Do you even get a lot of sleep with that, like, project crew you have? Not at all, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> all right. Four to six hours on a work night, I'd say. Yeah. Well, okay. So let's uh, jump to some uh, some of the Dreaming Code questions we got this week. So there are some interesting ones. Maybe some of them are not actually from this week, but... Those are quite interesting and worth the discussion, maybe. So I'm just going to send you the link right now. And uh, The first one is about programming books. So what's your personal opinion about like using books? Like, Do you actually read a lot of programming books, or that's just something you replace with online documentation? Um, I wouldn't say I use too many now. I don't really refer to books a lot at all actually. A lot of my uh, learning comes from the internet, although when I did first start I did swear by a book called uh, C++ for the Absolute Beginner. Oh. I think it was Dirk Henkerman or something, uh, published by Premier Press. It's a great book to start with. So no For Dummies series or something? No, sorry. No, so I mean no no, like, learn C++ in 21 days or something? Oh, no, no. <laughs> you can't learn something like that in 21 days. Not your first time, no. Yeah, well... I don't, I don't really like those kind of books. They just kind of... They just sell themselves to people who just kind of say, I know, I'm going to make a game. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm just going to make a game of what I need. I need a... I need, what's it made for? Like, uh, I don't know. What are you gonna make it in? Well, C plus plus, and I need a book, and they just like pick up a, uh, like learn C plus plus in I don't know the twenty one days is good. I mean, it's gonna be bad if you're gonna see a book like learn C plus plus in two hours. 
<laughs> hint, hint to you. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. And what about like besides the book you mentioned? Could you like recommend uh, some books that are like uh, generalized to programming, like not language specific, or you were just going without them? Uh, no, that was pretty much the only book I used. The only other one, well, I own two of the books that I haven't even got enough of reading yet. There's the Dragon Book, which is uh, compiler theory, and also modern compiler implementation in C. Well, so I haven't even looked at those yet. So. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, makes sense. So let's, uh, the next link is a recent one, and it's talking about the roles and responsibilities of a software engineer. So there's a person applying for an internship as a software engineer, and uh, he is generally asking about the responsibilities. So <clears throat> what do you think about the responsibilities of a software engineer? Like, if you just skim through the topic and uh, give an opinion. Well, basically, you've always got to think of your end user and just remember they're complete idiots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow, yeah, that, that's something like uh, I think many, many, many programmers keep in mind. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the software and the websites that I work on, you've just got to remember that basically, for example, if you're working on an e-commerce website, that could be your customer's main source of income. So the slightest mistake could cost them potentially thousands of pounds. So it's a lot of responsibility if you're working on the bigger projects. Yeah, well, there was an opinion here uh, that uh, mentioned the fact that once you like you have a project, you released it, and you're supporting it only like a uh, limited uh, like a limited time span, like let it be uh, a year or something, and uh, after that, the developer kind of like abandons the project and says, okay, the bugs are just not just guys just go do whatever you find a bug it's not my problem anymore do you think the developer is like permanently responsible for a product or he's responsible only for like a specific time span while the project is active personally I'd say you're permanently responsible for it I mean obviously you want people to be giving you uh, payment for this for but you know it's kind of at the end of the day if you developed it and you've made a mistake, it's on your head to fix it, no matter when they discover the mistake. So, do you think it kind of like depends on the kind of a project, like is it, if it's an operating system or something, or is it then, yeah, you probably just want to support it just a limited time span because, you know, the technology is evolving and all this stuff. Like, the most prominent example is Microsoft, probably, like Windows XP, like, okay, guys, we got the third service pack, so there's like a deadline and after that, no, we're done. We, we're not supporting it anymore. Uh, do you think that this this kind of approach can apply to individual developers like when working on small projects for client-specific projects or...? Um, on small projects, I don't really think it's suitable. I mean, I would have said when you discontinue support for your project, yeah, you're kind of making room for the next version of it, if like the next generation of it, but if you're if it's just a small project, there might not be a new generation of it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so if you kind of made a bug, you better like kind of like, hey guys, okay, you you got this, I I'll try to fix it or something. 
Uh, it, then uh, we should go to the next question. And this one is about uh, uh, explaining your job to a non-tacky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> I, I personally got this uh, question quite a bit of times. Like, hey, what do you do? And I'm just like, uh, I'm just writing in C Sharp and .NET. It's like, uh, you just see those eyes and you think, uh, what did you just say? So, how do you explain your job to a non-techie when someone asks you what you do? Um, I work with computers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's it. You're not going into any details about the work. I prefer not to. I prefer not to. Uh, you can usually see the tune out when you start talking about it. Um, otherwise, you could just say, uh, sometimes I'll just show them a website that they might be familiar with and just say, I made that, and then they'll be like, oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't don't you think that maybe uh, okay? What if they ask you? Okay, what do you do with computers? Uh, well, still when you, really when you, vague. Yeah, well, you have no possibility to show them what you do. You have no no computer by you, so you can't show them the site or something. I speak to computers. Oh, oh, so you're kind of like a, yeah. So you're kind of like a translator between the computer. And, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> All right. So uh, our next question is about finding a job, and uh, I'm just gonna copy the link right here. Okay. So uh, I know this is right now uh, the end of May. So many students are graduating. Myself, I'm graduating, graduating from high school now. So uh, probably many students are looking for a job. Uh, like, how how do you think? How did you find your job? First of all, um, I actually found my job in November. So it was around the time that most people would have been going back for the next year. Uh, <laughs> Summertime, I would say, like you say, is the worst time to be looking. But I mean, like I said earlier, it only takes one person to give you an interview and you can get your foot in the door that way. Um, I mean, it's a competitive job market. You've got a lot of people looking to do it, and especially if you're looking to do freelancing, like for example, online, you're competing with all the Indians who are kind of offering like 50 cents per hour or something. <laughs> yeah. Not really something that you want to be competing with. So do you think like uh, the kind of uh, sites that are providing jobs like uh, Monster or there's like, what's it mentioned, Hot Jobs and I know we got we got jobs on Rooting Code, there's, there are, there are lots of sites advertising about jobs. What do you think is the effectivity of those? Do you, a lot of people, like for you personally, do you would you use those sites to find a job? Um, before, I would have said yes, but now I'd say no. I mean, when I was looking for my job, I was looking on all sorts of sites like that. You generally just end up speaking to agencies and they just give you false hope. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of the jobs that I applied for, I've got people calling up saying, yeah, you sound perfect for this position, and then you can never hear from them again after that. Yeah, it's like, we're going to call you back, and then just like, oh, wait, they didn't ask for my number. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, for your like for your potential employer, 
do you think that uh, what's personally more important to you? This I was talking to some of the people who work in the certification domain recently, and they were like, "Oh, you should uh, like you should get this certificate because you know when you apply for some company and they say like, hey." Uh, you've got a Cisco certificate or you got a Microsoft certificate, then you're so cool. Well, do you, what do you think is more important for an employer? To see the actual project or uh, to see some certificate that's like official from a big company? Definitely to see the projects. I mean, when I was looking for my job, I was speaking to a lot of people who like friends who run companies, for example. And they're all telling me that the best thing to do is experience. I mean, certificates, yeah, a lot of people will go for it. It depends on the kind of HR that you're communicating with. Because you've got to think of, uh, basically, are the people who are in charge of recruitment actually tech savvy? Do they know? Do they understand your project? Or do they expect to just see certificates? Yeah, well, I'm not sure. I know there are some employers out here that are like, uh, if you just show like a um, shiny certificate and you're just employed like right off the bat, what do you think of this kind of like positions? Is it like worth check checking out, or that's just something? A no, no. Um, I don't know. It really depends on your area. Really, I mean, like I say, around here, I wouldn't have said the, quali the qualifications are so important as the experience. Um. There are still the companies, obviously, that look for certificates and they won't even look at you if you haven't got anything. So it can be worth looking into it. It just really depends on how you're getting on it, looking for your job. Mm. Uh, if you've been looking for ages, then it might be worth looking into getting the certificates and seeing if that can make a difference. Mm. But I'd recommend looking for the job and then getting the certificates later on if you haven't managed to get anything rather than just going straight for the certificate. Oh, so yeah, like kind of like the employer, like to kind of improve your qualifications, just sends you to get a certification or something, like we got people working with this and this certificate and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, go on. I forgot I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, then um, we're just going to go to the next question. It was posted, yeah, quite recently by our webmaster, by Chris, and it's a creative waste. To there was uh, the guy that kind of like paid for AdSense, I believe that's how the Google program is, ad program is called. So when uh, someone searched for specific names, his name would pop up out there and say, oh, the names were like the names of the employers he wanted to work for. And I believe he got a couple of them, like uh, six or something. And uh, he, when someone searched for the employer's name, his ad would be on top and would just be like, uh, oh, hey, it's cool that you're searching for this guy, but uh, it would be even cooler to employ me. So what do, what do you think about this kind of method of searching for a job? That's quite interesting, actually. I've never heard of that one. Uh, reminds me a little bit of the guy who promoted himself on Facebook ads a while back. Did you hear about that? Um, basically, he paid for an advert say hire me mm -hmm. and just kind of have had it targeted towards certain people and uh, basically someone from Microsoft actually picked him up from it. Mm, so uh, yeah, w would you think of something like 
what would you think of yourself when someone would say like, "Hey, get a find a creative way to get an employer"? What what would you do? Like, imaginary situation. It depends what you're trying to do, really. I mean, if you're looking to work in software, one way that I'd go about it would be simply to just create a project that a lot of people would want to use and just hope that they'd find you that way. Uh, same goes for websites, if you can create like a viral website or something like that. Um, or, you know, you could just paint what you want to do on your body and just run around the street naked. That could get some attention. Yeah, so speaking about like marketing yourself, like, uh, okay, some person maybe has a unique talent and he's like a I don't know, a programmer that has a lot of capabilities, but he's not he's not seen. Nobody knows about his existing existence. Well uh his projects should should he like kinda like send his resumes everywhere, use some services like uh there's LinkedIn. So uh do you think these kinds of services are effective or the time pass like okay, the resumes on the job sites, uh well, I mean, it's one thing when you yourself look for an employer and you kind of like send your resume, but what do you think is the effectivity when you post your resume and someone would look at that? Um, I mean, it's a good idea. I mean, it really depends who you want to appeal to. Uh, one thing that could be good about search engines is if you really want to get into search engine optimization. Now, you look at someone who wants to be, I don't know, uh, I don't know, but think of a keyword anyway that you might want to work in. And basically, just instead of getting that, just get your name to the top that you think that a company that you want to work for might be looking for. Yeah, well, I don't even know what I'm talking about now. I've just kind of trailed off. Yeah, well, don't you think like yeah, you mentioned uh, SEO. So for doing SEO and kind of like get your blog up or something. Well, this don't you think that this method is kind of like abused lately? So when, for example, I search for something, I don't know, maybe uh, just a random like draw draw monkeys on a window, and. Uh, I get I get a result that just like on the first page of Google or Bing or whatever you're using and it says draw monkeys on a window and I open it and there's like uh, this whole blog post filled with draw monkeys on a window the text I mean and it's in the title in the bottom and uh, there's like very little actual content well do you think SEO can really like help in this case or this abuse can lead Nowhere. I mean, if you're abusing it like you just said, it's not really achieving anything. I mean, if yeah, well, you did that to get the top of a search engine for an employer to find you, and then I was the employer and I was searching for that and I came across that, I'd just see that as spam. It's not something that would appeal to anyone. Well, yeah, so but I mean, yeah, but some of the people are, uh, I'm not just saying that uh, it's something bad. Maybe they're actually showing some actual content, but... Uh, for example, you can say, okay, I am a monkey drawer on a window that can help you draw monkeys on a window that lo will look just like a monkey on a window. You see, it's like, like it sounds like actual content, but it's not. No, I think 
just think it's not proper English, so it just becomes an irritation to read. So, so you think like this kind of stuff is not gonna get you like anywhere, employment wise? Not really. Uh, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of like an obvious, but yeah. Uh, what do you think of LinkedIn? The service is kind of like rising lately, and uh, they get a lot of hits, a lot of visits, a lot of references from all kind of stuff. Well, there's all kind of stuff that like advises on what you should do on LinkedIn, how you should fill your resume, what groups you should join, all this kind of stuff. Do you think it, this tool is effective and when looking for a job? Yeah, I don't know really. I don't really know much about LinkedIn. I mean, I've had an account on that for a while, but I never use it. I mean, the extent of my using LinkedIn is I just get an email every now and then saying such and such wants to register a network. Mm. I've never really considered using it, but from what I've seen of it, I don't really think it's brilliant. I mean, it's an interesting idea for a service. Mm. So, do you think like social networks have power for uh, for employment? Like, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook. I, I know you're an avid Twitter user. So, do you think you what like one day you could use Twitter to get a job? Um, probably not. No, I mean, the kind of people that you get on there, you might get the odd freelance job, I suppose, but to actually land an actual job. Mm -hmm. I'd say the odds are really, really slim. Mm -hmm. So uh, it depends on the kind of people that you're connecting with. Yeah. So now uh, a little bit like off topic, but kind of related. Uh, freelance work. Many people are going freelancing when they start. They don't have a job and they need experience. Uh, what do you think of freelancing today? Like there are a lot of sites like Rent a Coder, Get a Freelancer. What do you think about that? Um, personally, I don't think much of those sites. I mean, I've tried them a couple of times. Mm. There's that many people bidding on the jobs, and it kind of relates to what I said earlier about people just charging silly money for it, like 50 cents per hour or something. It's not worth competing with that. Yeah, but. The but might be interesting and you might be able to do and actually win, but Yeah, but the number of those like you mentioned the people that are working with like fifty cents an hour, there's there are like not not that many of those people. The the last time I checked it, the rates were pretty like pretty serious. I mean for even a small project they required quite quite a lot. So uh, the competitiveness I guess is the thing that dictates this, but uh if someone would tell you to compete with the people, like the work for like like you said for fifty cents an hour, uh, would you? I mean, would you try to uh, get the prices to their level, or you're just not? You know, guys, I work for like seven dollars an hour max and uh, or minimum, and that's it. Um, I wouldn't try competing with it at all. My idea would be if I was going to be competing with them. I'd, uh, I'd promote the quality of the work rather than the low price. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you get what you pay for. Ah, so you would you would not like uh, get the bare rate. No. Oh. All right. So uh, as a uh, let's put it like as a final advice for 
the people who are looking for a job, for the people that are just uh, looking for an internship or something, what would you say like your like your uh, recommendation for them? Like something like a key key element when looking for a job and when wanting to find a job specifically in the IT domain, IT like programming, uh, administering something, or doesn't matter. Just really sell yourself. I mean, like I said earlier, the best thing you can do is build a portfolio. The bigger, the better. Uh, and the bigger the project, the better. Uh, if you can build a big user base on the project, that's even better. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just looking to sell yourself and get your name out there. And when, when you're looking for your first job, apply for everything. Just go for it. Because only one of them. I'd say one in about 50, or even like it's a nibble. Hmm. So they like should look for pretty much like every uh, everything that's available for them, they should try it out. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it's your first job as well, so chances are you haven't fully decided exactly what you want to do yet. So even if, say, you decide that you want to work in C Sharp primarily, hmm. but then you see a job working in C++, well, no C++, it might be worth applying for that job and just see how you get on and if you get that job. Hmm. And uh, as my last question is, uh, do you think that it's sometimes worth applying for jobs when you don't have uh, the experience for, for it, like not quite the experience? For example, I know some people who applied for jobs that they did not have the specific uh, experience like they applied for a job that required the knowledge of a specific framework and they, they just applied and once they applied and they got ex like they got accepted or they were invited to an interview they started learning it like diving into the framework and actually digging it and they actually got the job so they work in the domain do you think uh, this is a good way to do or not really definitely yeah I mean the same kind of advice to me. I didn't have Box Pro. I don't think many new developers do, to be honest. But it's kind of in IT, you need to be able to adapt quickly. Technology is always changing, so you just need to be able to learn what you need to do and get on with it. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, this was uh, Danny Bettison, and he is a senior software developer, and we talked mostly about. Uh, jobs and getting a job today. So, uh, thank you, Danny, and uh, it was a great podcast. It was great talking to you. And you, mate. Thank you. All right, and I'll see you later, guys. And see you get. Martin yourself. So, uh,